I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 370. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I'm releasing this episode on the Monday after Easter Sunday, and I hope you had a chance to worship and meditate on the glorious resurrection of our Savior. We spend a lot of time celebrating Jesus at Christmas. Even on this podcast, we use Christmas music to sit and meditate in the Christmas story for weeks on end. Easter just doesn't seem to have as much secular fanfare. And one reason may be because Easter forces us to answer hard questions about who Jesus is and who we are. In fact, Aaron Shue's song, Isaiah 53, leads us to an important section of ancient scripture that forces us to answer those questions. And before we head over to the prophet Isaiah, whose words were written 700 years before Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, let's listen. And he was wounded because of our sin. Suffering servant, he was wounded because of our sin. He never deserved it. By his bruises, we were healed. I spent a good deal of time reading Isaiah 52 13 through Isaiah 53 12. Uh, That's that section of scripture that we're going to be studying today. And then I spent a good deal of time listening to commentary and discussion on this very important section of this ancient text. Now, the discussion that I was most fascinated by was uh, by a group of Christian scholars hosted by Michael Rydelnik. And the interesting part of this discussion is that they all come from Jewish backgrounds, these scholars do, but they've come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Now, these video discussions are available over at rightnowmedia.org. And normally you have to have some sort of subscription, but right now, because of the global pandemic, you can actually gain access to the library of resources for free. I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes, but when you log in and you may have to search for The Mysterious Prophecy of Isaiah 53 by Michael Rydelnik, and then you can learn from the same source that I did this week. Now, as a recap, however, uh, I realize now after listening to these scholars that I have approached this section of scripture as a Christ follower. I've always kind of known it was about Christ. And um, it was interesting because in Acts chapter 8, there is an amazing account of an important official from Ethiopia who had traveled to Jerusalem to worship. He was actively seeking the things of God. And in fact, he was reading the words of Isaiah 53 when Philip, um, a follower of Christ, runs up to his chariot to ask what he was reading. 
there are some really interesting details uh, in this account that make it worth reading for yourself. But for the purposes of today, we're just going to jump in at verse 30. Philip ran up to the chariot and asked um, and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Uh, He was using the bite of reading out loud, by the way. (laughs) Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. And how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth in his humiliation. He was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So the eunuch here is is asking an important question that Jews have been asking for uh, centuries. Who is the prophet talking about? Who is this suffering servant in this ancient text? And this official was reading from the very same section of scripture that we're going to study today. And as it turns out, it's not always been as cut and dry in the minds of the readers as it has been for me. Uh, Because this section of scripture in Isaiah is known to describe the suffering servant. But historically, uh, there's some confusion about, again, whether the text was describing the prophet, maybe Israel as a nation or a righteous remnant of Israel or the Messiah. And I guess that makes sense, right? Because, I mean, they, uh, as I mentioned, the prophecy was written 700 years before Christ and may have been very confusing to the Jewish reader. How could this text be about Messiah when it was describing a suffering servant and other passages described the Messiah as mighty and conquering? So over time, this passage was thought to be about the coming Messiah. But when Jews eventually rejected this as a prophecy of Christ after Christ, and over time, there were even commentators like in the 15th century, specifically, there was one who convinced all future generations to believe that the text was about Israel as a nation. Interesting. So I hope you get a chance to listen to the series of video discussions on Right Now Media. That's where I learned all that. It was fascinating, but I do want to jump into the text itself because once you read it for yourself, you're going to say, how could anyone not believe that this text was about Jesus? Uh, I wanted to take a second and read the text all the way through on the podcast. I think we're going to run out of time if I do that. And I really want to take this prophecy verse by verse. So my challenge to you is follow the bite of repetition this week. Now, bite is uh, Bible interaction tool exercises. These are the exercises that I use to interact with God's word. And so if you follow the bite of repetition, then you will read and reread Isaiah 52, 13, through um, Isaiah 53, 12. So basically a few verses at the end of 52 and the entire chapter of 53. Now we are going to use the bite of following the cross references. Uh, um, I'm just going to point you to some other areas of scripture to say, see, it's Jesus. See, it's Jesus. See, it's Jesus. But this text, you need to revisit it often. The more that you study God's word on the whole, the more this text will come to life for you. So I'm going to follow some cross references, but I'm going to follow one or two. And there are so many. There's so many confirmations throughout scripture that this is about the Messiah and that the Messiah is Jesus Christ. So again, we're going to study this text as though it speaks of the Messiah. And we know that Jesus himself claimed to be the Messiah. We know that he was the Messiah. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked Peter, 
who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. So he confirmed when Peter said, you're the Messiah. He was like, yes, I am. And you didn't figure that out on your own. So if you listened last week, you will remember that our song and the scripture refers to Jesus as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So remember, this was the plan all along. So in Leviticus, when God decreed the sacrificial system, he knew that one day he would send his son to be led like a sacrificial lamb to the slaughter. Even John the Baptist, at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry, he prophetically proclaims in John chapter 1, verse 29, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we have a plan from before the foundation of the world. We have a sacrificial system decreed as a shadow of things to come. We have a prophecy of the suffering servant 700 years prior to Christ's life on earth. And we have the complete fulfillment in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's take this verse by verse. Isaiah 52, 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. So this prophecy about a suffering servant begins with the end in mind. Yes, this servant will suffer, but in the end, he will be raised up and lifted up and highly exalted. And we see this in Philippians 2, 9, because it speaks of Christ when it says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Our Savior is high and lifted up and he is highly exalted. Uh, 52, 14, Isaiah 52, 14, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Now, interestingly enough, there aren't a lot of scriptures detailing a description of the crucifixion and the disfiguring that would take place during crucifixion. Now, scholars believe it is because the contemporary readers of the gospels lived during the days when crucifixions took place. So they knew what it was like. They realized that the trauma and the, the, well, the gory nature of the practice. And that leads to another reason why the details may not be highlighted. It was awful. It was, it's repugnant, repugnant and shameful and horrible to think about the details. So if you've ever watched, um, the 2004 film, The Passion of the Christ, then that, that gives you kind of a visual idea of what Christ went through. But let's just say, Crucifixion itself, the practice, would fulfill this scripture about disfiguring his appearance beyond that of a human being. It, it was awful. All right, Isaiah 52, 15. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see and what they have not heard, they will understand. Now, this reminds me of the prophecy in Ezekiel where God promises in Ezekiel 36, he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is what happens when we surrender our lives to Christ. We're made a new creation. We're given a new heart and a new spirit and a new destiny. And, and Jesus does that. All right, Isaiah 53, 1. So now we're, we're out of the last few verses of 52 into 53, 1. Remember, this would have been a scroll. This is not like a book um, at the time. So, it you know, there wouldn't have, uh, I don't know why they've, sep whoever separated it into verses and chapters separated this out. But 53, 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
Now, this verse is actually quoted and explained in the Gospel of John, chapter 12. In verse 7, it says, Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. This was to fulfill the word of, of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then John goes on to disclose in verse 42, Yet at the same time, Many, even among the leaders, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. So basically what we learn here is that it's not always the signs and wonders that, that we think will, that will draw our hearts to the Lord. You know, sometimes we'll say, oh, God, if you just do it this way, or if you just give me a sign or, or, or Lord, just give them a sign and they will give their heart to you and, um, that's not always the case. And even the people who did believe in him wouldn't even admit it because of fear and pride. So uh, anyway, this question is, is launches us into Isaiah 53, and it is explained in John chapter 12. And again, I'm going to put all of these uh, cross-references in the show notes so that yeah, I'm taking notes for you. I'm, if you're driving or washing dishes or doing whatever, I'm taking these notes for you. They're, they'll be found at michellekneesat.com forward slash 370. All right, Isaiah 53, 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Okay, so when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus would have been considered a nobody. Um, he was not of any consequence or important position or any great lineage. I know that he was in the lineage of David, but he, you know, he wasn't a prince among the people. He was a carpenter or a carpenter's son. And in, in John one forty six, Nathaniel finds out that Jesus is from Nazareth. He's like, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? <laughs> right? So this idea that he grew up like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, like it just, just, just a regular old seed, I think is what it's saying. He was a common man. In John 6, 42, Jesus is attempting to reveal himself to people and offer them eternal life. And they're like, is, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? They just didn't get it. They didn't see it. He grew up just like a, a, common, a common man. Verse 3, Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. So this just reaffirms the verse ahead of it. But John one eleven reminds us, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. One of the scholars I listened to reminded us that while it was awful that the religious elite, uh, the one, the very ones who were masters of the scripture, the ones that should have known that it was Jesus, that Jesus was God and that he was the Messiah. They not, they not only rejected him, they crucified him. But this scholar reminds us that if he had not been rejected, then this prophecy would not have been about Jesus. So isn't that interesting? It's just like you sit here and you think about it and you maybe read this um, passage of scripture while listening to our song. It's kind of a beautiful, haunting um, set of music and and you want to be sad, but then on the flip side, you you rejoice because this scripture is about the Messiah and Jesus is the Messiah. And so there's hope on the other side of that. And we're going to get to that hope, I promise. All right, verse four. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. 
So again, the religious leaders did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They rejected him and they rejected his claims of divinity and they called him a sinner. They thought that he was sinning by claiming to be God. John 19, the Jewish, uh, verse 7, the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. All right, so they just thought, you know, he was a, a, a wretched sinner, but, but we're the sinners. Jesus was punished as a sinner, assumed to be punished by God himself because of for what they deemed to be false claims. You see, okay, in verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. Y'all, this was written 700 years prior to uh, Christ's death. I mean, crucifixion didn't was, it wasn't even a thing. But but the the words pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Romans four twenty five says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And I know that we're rushing through these verses, but I hope that you take time when you go back and restudy it for yourself that you'll use that bite that Bible interaction tool exercise of meditation. Meditate on these words like pierced, crushed, punishment, wounds. The reality of all of this uh, on the life and body of our Savior leads to forgiveness, freedom, peace, and healing. It's it's just, it's a profound picture, uh, we, but we got to keep going. Verse six, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is it, my friend. This is why it's easier to celebrate a cuddly baby in a manger. This is why it's more comfortable to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, because this is the mirror. You know, Romans 3.23 reminds us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just look around the world today. It's celebrated to turn to our own way. Our own way is justified. And we're, we're even getting to the point of false accusations, bullying, and persecution if we say that someone's chosen way is sinful. But no matter what words are thrown around, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on this precious suffering servant the iniquity of us all. And before we move on to the next verse, I love the hope that Peter gives us when referring directly to this verse. In 1 Peter 2.25, he refers to this verse. It says, for you were like sheep going astray, and he puts quotes around it, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Yes, as Christ followers, we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. All right, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In the account leading up to Christ's crucifixion, we are just stunned by his silence. Matthew 26, 63, but Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. And he just remained silent. All right. Verse eight, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. Now, I've been reading um, in the New International Version this whole time, uh, but I did use the bite of consulting a different translation. It kind of helped in this particular verse to read it in the New Living Translation. 
It says it this way, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. So continue to use the bite of meditation as you really consider the depth of Christ's sacrifice and the real reason why, you know, our own rebellious, sinful hearts. That's why a sacrifice needed to be made. All right. Verse nine. I know we're going to go a little long today, but I don't, I, I, I think it's worth it. Verse nine. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. You see, Jesus died on a cross between two wicked men and then a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, donated a brand new empty tomb for Jesus to be buried in. You can read more about that in Mark 15, 27 and Matthew 27, 57. All right, verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Now, this is so hard to understand. And many atheists, in fact, use this idea that a God who planned the suffering and death of his own son is not a God that they want to believe in. And I recognize uh, that God's thoughts are higher than my own. And I am comforted that his plan didn't just include death, but resurrection and exaltation. And and you might say, well, he was cut off from his descendants in the last verse, and now he has offspring in this one. Of course, we're his offspring. You know, God's spiritual children through adoption. Um, but it is hard to, to realize that this was the plan, but the plan, the, but the whole plan, right, included our salvation and our redemption and our, um, uh, the iniquity to be paid for by someone else besides us. All right, verse 11, just a couple more verses. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. You see, this suffering has an end and eternal consequences. Because Jesus is alive and his suffering had a purpose. Romans 5 reminds us in verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, uh, Adam's original sin, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. He bore my sin. And through his sacrifice and resurrection, I am justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. All right, verse 12. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressions, trans, transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This ancient text about our suffering servant ends like it began with exaltation because he because he poured his life out into death he will be given a portion among the great you see uh second corinthians 5 21 god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god so as we round out another easter season let us not wait until next year to once again consider the suffering servant prophesied about centuries before christ fulfilled every word and just like we looked forward last week to see the ultimate victory of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world i want us to kind of end today remembering the words recorded in hebrews chapter 2 verse 28 so christ was sacrificed once 
to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So what's next? Well, read Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53, 12, and then read it again. (laughs) Consider how Jesus has fulfilled this prophecy through your own understanding of scripture, right? So no matter how much you have, how little or how much you have, just think about what you know and where the parts in this prophecy that you see Jesus. Then go ahead and use that cross-references list that I'm going to put in the show notes to get you started. And then finally, Read the account of the last days of Christ on earth. Uh, Read like Matthew 26 through 28, for example, or one of the other gospels. Take in the entire picture and rejoice that our iniquity has been paid for by the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. And our security, uh, our eternity is secure through his victory over death in resurrection power. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. Michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with New Release Today. Uh, NewReleaseToday.com is the most innovative and largest Christian entertainment site online, existing to inform fans immediately about each week's new releases. I'm super excited to be a part of this network. And if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. This challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. It it really does wonders in your heart and your mind, and you're never too late to jump in. Just, just submit your name and email address to michellekneezat.com forward slash 30 day challenge, and you're in. I walk you through step by step um, a brief uh, um, a, a brief video for 30 days. Anyway, you're going to love it. All right, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Viverly from North Carolina, Melissa from Georgia, Josh from Illinois, Laurel from Alberta, Canada, Susan from Missouri, Yvonne from Arizona, and Suzanne from California. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites. I think it'll be really helpful to you. Great place to start. You also get the show notes emailed to you uh, once a week. Um, and right there, so they're right there in your inbox. You don't have to go searching for them. I also create extra resources from time to time for my episodes, and you'll have first dibs on that. So all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes yet? Uh, I really am encouraged by your reviews, of course, but it also gives me credibility and helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using the song Stand My Ground by Zach Williams to point us to scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 370. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.